0: I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind Business of Architecture event bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges, and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guests for an exclusive interview. Hello everybody. This is Sara Colato of Architecture Talk Tank. Today, my guest is Fabio Palvelli, and I'm super excited to have Fabio in with me because we're going to be talking about things. Fabio's career has developed. He's also an architect He works within the visualization industry. If you haven't yet heard about his work online, then it's really worth checking it out. But you'll find out more also through this conversation. And he has a lot of background within marketing, but also as an entrepreneur. And we're going to talk specifically today about the importance and the value of consultancy for architects and how you can look at yourself not only as a skillful person, but knowledgeable person and actually monetize on your knowledge. But first things first, Fabio, thank you so much for joining me on this Architecture Talk Talk. Let's maybe start with a little introduction. Would you tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, and and what you're doing?
1: So, uh, Sarah, thanks a lot for having me here. Maybe to my bio, you should add that I have a very bad sense of humor. But let's people l- judge. They can go to my YouTube channel and see some of my videos. Yeah. So, as you know, we were discussing this before going live. It's probably better for people to understand what I do and who I am to give a little bit of a an intro to what I've done in my life so that they can get a general idea. So I studied architecture. I did that in London. And during that time, I started to develop an interest for 3D technologies. Then I moved to Vienna, where I did a master in building engineering. And because I did not speak German at the time, one thing that I had to do, I had to stand on my feet and figure out a way to support myself. And so I started to teach 3D programs to people, making workshops, offering courses at university, offering courses through the city of Vienna, you know, that they have these programs where they, if you lose your job, you can apply and get grants and do that. And so I did that. And I basically did this for, also in parallel with me working as a designer and as a 3D artist up until 2017. Actually, around that time, I got a job working for the makers of V-Ray Chaos Group. The company at the time where I was working was a separate company because I was working for the Cinema 4D division and, you know, we were working in Vienna. Then I actually got hired from the guys in Bulgaria. So I worked there for a year, more or less. And during that time, I was also going around offices in Europe to teach to architects and designers. And around that time, I realized that there was a big issue in terms of like how much business-related knowledge there was in the field of visualization. And so, a lot of times, these workshops started out as V-Ray or 3D workshops, and they would become like business bootcamps where I teach people how to, you know, earn more money, have better relationships with their clients, understand sales, marketing, and all that kind of stuff. I worked in marketing. That was one of the main things that I did during my time at Chaos Group and at v for Cinema 4D. But I also learned marketing on my own because one of the main things that actually has put me on the map is the D2 conference, which is this conference that we have organized initially, it was only for architectural visualizer people, and now it has become a full digital design conference. We have had very important speakers over the years, to name a few: Mike Winkelmann, Beeple, who became very famous with the NFTs and everything; Ash Torp, We had Adia Kur. We had a lot of big names that you know ended up becoming huge in their professions as digital designers and whatnot. So this should give you an idea of who I am. I don't like to put a label on me because it's limiting. And you know, I'm a man of contradictions because every time that I start a video I say I'm a 3D designer and an artist when actually I do a lot more than that. But maybe I can explain it during this conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think this is partially what's interesting is the more we evolve from like a one label and follow our passion but also give value to people in many different ways it enriches our business us as human beings and also it can contribute to growth of an industry and i think that you know first and foremost what's really worth mentioning is that you present a niche in architecture which pretty much every single architect in some time of their development of their education or their life or professional life has touched on because of course v-ray And other rendering where is something that is always hovering above us. And some people go into it 100%. Some people will learn just a little bit, but pretty much every architect learns at some point nowadays to render. So that's one thing. But to commit completely to it is another, and it has become a... Almost like a Lancer trend, a lot of architects commit to visualization and just do renderings and decide that this is their path. And I know for a fact that Kaos Group is a very adamant promoter also of, of actually supporting this freelance economy and people and educating around business. And that's exactly what you mentioned that when you worked back there for them, you were helping people actually understand how to get projects and acquire clients online and things like that. Going back to the idea of business, there is niche, but then also somehow throughout your life, you developed many different legs of that business. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? Of course, now we know that the conference is one of these legs but there is more. So tell us a little bit more about that and how that all came to be.
1: Sure, of course. So I'm still designing and lately I got very involved in the world of NFTs. There are a lot of interesting projects that are emerging, you know, in relationship to the new economy, the new economy. And there is a lot to be done in that field because basically we, you know, what Corona has done has accelerated the process of for us to go more and more digital. And, you know, we probably don't realize it, but you and I are having a conversation and we're streaming it to, I don't know how many people live using technology. I am a university teacher. I, u- I teach at the University of St. Paul's New Design University in Vienna. I teach social media design and marketing. I also own a company that does trainings. We work mainly with the city of Vienna. Really, this is the company that I started working, out at, working at. And then we ended up buying the company. Then uh, I do the conference. I do consulting work. A lot of consulting work for small, medium-sized visualization companies. I help them with uh, client acquisition, marketing, positioning, and all that kind of stuff. And what else? I guess that's it
0: that's very interesting so actually i wanted to talk about consulting and the reason behind it is because i'm a big promoter of a sort of way of thinking about yourself as a person of value right to be able to compartmentalize and understand a little bit how this value grows within and we're taught to be designers we go to design school to learn problem solving through design and we get good at it as the career develops but in a traditional way of thinking about business, we're very used to thinking that this particular craft or skill gets us the money, and we exchange that for time, and, or our time doing this for money. And in a digital era that we live in, with so many different niches and so much going on business-wise, we see more and more, especially in other industries outside of architecture, people actually going into consulting and consulting originates from this idea that all this knowledge that makes you a skillful designer has its own root and it's you know it's skills and knowledge and why not ties on this knowledge that expertise and so all of this originated with time and i think recently not sure exactly how many years ago but has been called the expert economy or expert the business of expertise and a lot of people are referring to that and what we mean by it is really choosing a niche and providing value through consulting and that doesn't limit you as to being a designer but opens new possibilities and Fabio I just wanted to do a little introduction into it for our audience, but tell me a little bit about that whole experience of becoming a consultant and working with different teams and what sort of opportunities that also holds for you and how has that opened you up to this collaborations and also what's interesting in
1: that so uh, when i started out offering consulting services i did not do it with the intention of saying okay now i'm a consultant people were calling me in because you know maybe we had a workshop together or maybe we had we met at a conference or something and they said yeah i really liked your take on that and so how would you approach this and so you know it's uh, in my experience people don't like the word consultant they think it's somehow some snake oil seller or something you know that you're doing something just to get some money quick but the reality is that we use consultants almost on a daily basis you go to a doctor is a consultant is giving a take on what you need to do to get better you go to a person that helps you with your diet or your training, that is a consultant. You go to the post office to pay something, you know, the person behind the counter is a consultant. Is giving you very little knowledge, but is still a consultant, you know? So we need to get out of these schemes where we think, okay, you know, the word consultant is a negative word. I can tell you another thing it's very funny because in the very beginning of my the starting of this consulting career so to say in 2017 I had people that did not give me the chance to tell other clients that we work together because somehow working with a consultant was oh there's something wrong with my company you know it used to be like this when you went to the psychologist 20 years ago you know you don't say that because there's something crazy or wrong with you. To me, it's simply, it has been a very natural process. As a matter of fact, i tell you this, I don't even have a website. I mean, I'm creating a website now, but a lot of people, they come from mouth to mouth, you know, like clients in our field, architecture visualization, a lot of people work together so they know each other. Also, there is the content on YouTube. And that has been enough for me to, you know, get enough clients for me to make this side of my business significant. I do not work with a lot of clients. Also, the jobs they require, like it's when we work on a project, it's usually a month that we do work together. So I can only dedicate my time to, on average, five to six clients per year. So it's not even like a lot of money that I make out of this, to be honest with you. But I do it because I really. Love it. I really love it. I, you know, I have follow up calls with my clients where they tell me, Fabio, you know, now I see things differently. A lot of things make a lot more sense. Thank you. You know, just that ability to give a little bit of mental clarity to a person, it's, it it gives a different sense of purpose, you know, and this is a sense of purpose that, for instance, when I was working with clients that just wanted, you know, to move the window 10 centimeters to the right. That there was no purpose in that. You know, clients were just saying things because they felt like they had to tell them. And I've learned also that, you know, over time. And so now I'm trying to teach it to my clients. How do you react to something like that? You know, what is the type of conversation that you should be having? All these kind of things to me, they were all like very natural and organic. I never had to force anything. I never had to, you know, beg somebody to to work with me it I never had to send an email to say hey I'm offering consulting services I was lucky I was lucky and I was uh, you know blessed if that's a good use of that word
0: absolutely but now obviously you've had experience working with some bigger brands as well and and had great clients and I think that this grows to be not only you become better because you have a better sort of system that you implement when you work with, with starting working with new clients you know what worked what didn't maybe which sort of advice worked better or whatever however i think that with this experience as well there is this whole new in, intake into that and a simple question are you i know now you're developing your website but are you using some of the advice that you give to To your clients for your own business to acquire customers and to maintain that leg of a business which is consultancy
1: yes i do i create a lot of content it's actually the king in today's society if you do not want if you do not know where to start start with content this is really the basics of everything even if you do not have a clear idea do make content because content it's self-regulatory you're going to get feedback from the outside and you're going to see what works and what doesn't. You need to have a little bit of thick skin because you're going to get disappointed sometimes. You know, people are going to say, hey, what are, what the hell are you doing? But, you know, this happens to me as well. It still happens now. So, you know, it's all part of getting into this back loop. And I do that. The, the majority of the things w- that I apply from the kind of advice that I gave to, that I give to my clients is what I do with the D2 conference. And the D2 conference, you know, the last edition that we had was close to 565 people. This is a B2C conference. So people have to pay a ticket to, to go in. It's the biggest conference for that kind of stuff that we do on the planet, you know? So the, you know, you might say, yeah, but that's a different line of business. Business at the base, it's all the same. You know, you might have some different dynamics, but the concepts and the, the main principles are the all across the different spheres of how we do business. You know, I do apply the stuff that I say to my clients and it does work. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just to, to remind yourself of what it is that you have to do. And it's actually really easy to achieve if you have that mental clarity.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's very important. And also, it's just understanding and filling, out, filling in for another gap in the market, which we have. That certainly lays with the topic of like, lack of enough education on business, especially when we go deeper into marketing and then also digital marketing, digital transformation. But, but yeah, that definitely works. And I see that, you know, the content creation and the conference is walking this path of, of leading with expertise, providing value, educating, helping people, creating communities around this education as well. And tell me a little bit, how has that transformed you as a person and your business as well, since you started to give value through education?
1: you know, For me, the biggest thing, as I already mentioned, is that when I made the transition, when I stopped working in production in 2017, which is actually not completely true, because part of the work that I did also for the guys at Chaos Group MV was to still make images, and it was for internal purpose, but I still did that. Giving value to people has really changed my...
0: Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects. A team of architects and technologists focus on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT to digitize any space imaginable. Offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it, now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit projects.com forward slash Sarah Collada.
1: You know, the fact that I was getting excited every time that we would have a meeting with a client, it made it more, it gave me more purpose, you know, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to grab it without sounding like a douchebag or a Facebook meme, But somebody that writes a message and say, I am now able to support my entire family, you know, because we made a little adjustment. And, you know, it's like this changes you. You know, it's something that you're like, wow, you know, you can have that kind of impact on a person. And actually, this is not even coming from a client of mine. It's coming from people that watch my content and say, you know, I started to do this and now... The conversation with my client, it's a lot better. Or, you know, I started to raise my prices. And I should say this, you know, like the stuff that I try and tell people, it's very ethical. I do not teach any tricks or any, you know, dodgy things to do. It's just that, you know, the conviction that a lot of people have going into our business, architectural visualization, is that you can figure out the job as you go along. But unfortunately, this is a reality that might have been true 25 or 30 years ago. Now we do have a system that is in place. And so going into that system, trying to make a living is like trying to participate to a poker game without knowing really the rules, right? And so this has been like my aim so far to with the stuff that I was doing online, the content and everything. With that said, there are some people that are receptive to that message and there are some people that say, Hey, shut the hell up, you know. We do (laughs) not need to hear you. And that's fair enough. You know, I think that ultimately people should always make their own decisions. This is also we were discussing you and I before that, you know, now I'm taking a, a break from social media. I do realize that because of the fact that I was able to, you know, produce this value and to place myself in induction in my segment, in my industry, that I was looking at people doing the wrong thing in a very judgmental way. And this was bad on my side because it did not allow me to have that empathy to understand what those people were going through. You know, now I'm taking a little bit of time off. I'm trying to reset and regroup so that if I do come back with more of this stuff, it needs to be a better message. Corona and COVID, they have accelerated that process at least for me and I hope for everybody because you know it's like it's been a very surreal time to have to go through even as a business owner and as a human
0: yeah absolutely and it's very touching actually extremely resonant with me because I think that once we and it has definitely been quite a journey for me as well to start creating content and do this what we're doing right now because it's almost like coming out of your own shell. And most of my life, I didn't even have social media, really. I'm not the type of person that goes to have a nice fruit salad and posts that on Instagram, you know?
1: I don't do um, that, either.
0: So I started most of my channels when I decided that I want to do consulting. And, you know, I did a consulting course and I- I realized, okay, digital marketing is going to be a way for me to promote myself. And I want to do it through inviting, you know, speakers to this platform and have a podcast. But it took a lot. And I remember how stressed I was in the first interviews. But I think what's really touching is to speak of that point of empathy. This, it's certainly extremely valid and important. And I think that... It's something that doesn't, you can't just turn it on. You have to experience it deeply to, to come to a place where you actually want to help without judgment and really feel compassion and understanding to another person. And it's like this evolution that happens to within this profession to to all of us. And I think that also that topic of social media alone, it's important to take breaks. And I, I, myself being taught that ever you produce content, you have to be super regular with it because there's algorithms on every single platform that are working with this, and I just found it so hard to sign under this, sign my name and soul under this, and from the beginning I said, you know, I produce content when I feel like it, if I really feel like talking to someone, meeting new people and having these conversations, I will, and if I don't, and I disappear for a few months, it's okay. Like I would expect for people to understand that, and there is always all the videos on demand if someone wants to catch up on, on old stuff but yeah but that's that was my approach to keep sane because otherwise you really become a slave to this like every Tuesday you have to post and every Friday and every mm-hmm. this and every that is too much but the great thing is that this content circulates uh, around and I have noticed that the more I produce the easier it was also for me to set it on automation for it to be reposted at different social media forms and I didn't even have to be an active part of it anymore and I think that what we're addressing now is probably as maybe a limitation that a lot of architects might feel as to oh do I want to develop digital transformation you know marketing Efforts to promote my business, my practice, myself, but I don't really feel like, you know, becoming an Instagrammer, what do I do? I think it's important to, to realize that you can, you can do both. You can still remain and live how you do, but, but use a lot of automated tools to help you also build an online sense, which is valuable right now. Fabio, tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about the conference alone. I'm super interested in that how many years has it been since you've been running it and and when is the next event
1: so the conference we started in 2013 at the time it wasn't called the D2 it was called something else and it we stopped because of covid in 2019 2019 was the last edition the first edition we had 54 people i think all together the last one we had 500 and I never remember if it's 65 or... Anyway, it was a much bigger number than the first one. And it started out because we had questions. We were like, I remember me and my partners were like, okay, how do you make those renderings that people seem to love so much? And what is the difference between a great render and a mediocre render from a client perspective? You know, what is that a client is looking for when they want to work with us. And so we thought, okay, let's invite some of the best artists that we know. Let's see if they would agree to come and talk to us. And that's it. You know, we did it without having in mind that we were going to build a business. We said, you know, let's just do it for us. as At the time, we were running actually our own visualization company. And then over a short period of time, six to seven months we realized hey we're sitting on something here maybe it might make a lot more sense if instead of focusing on a market that it's already getting crowded which was the visualization market we probably go and focus on something that it's not other people are doing and so we did we said okay from now on we're gonna stop making visualizations and we're gonna figure out ways to make better conferences we did that. We started to organize conferences. We started to organize workshops underneath the same hat of the D2. And then after a while, the D2 became big enough for us to say, you know what, it makes no sense for us to do the workshops. At the time, the online stuff wasn't really active yet and people were not buying into it. So we said, let's just make a huge festival for everybody to come and enjoy and we'll just have fun. And so... That was basically the life of the conference. Now, when you are immersed in all that knowledge by listening to 20 people every year talking about this stuff and by making content and have continuous conversations, some of that stuff will rub off you. And this is how I start to get my own knowledge. Yeah, I hope that answered your question. I don't know, I'm a very, I talk a lot. If you, I love that
0: you do, and it's so if interesting. You get me started. Thank you. Was <laughs> dropping my chin. Love, love what you're sharing, and I must admit that yes, one knowledge rubs off, but also I'm just in my head. I was just visioning the possibilities you have through the conference to promote your visualization business and your consulting and all the other legs. And I think that what's really great is that when you and or we all choose a niche we want to fully commit to and start growing a really strong network within that niche with people that are equally passionate and also provide equally big value within this industry and start promoting each other not only we contribute towards each other's knowledge and we start understanding better what needs fixing in the business or in the industry and what we should focus on but i think also also it's it's basically really really networking with clients potential clients and getting to to understand better the needs that need to be faced and that helps you shift your business to to be very relevant you know to to the needs of your audience and i think you know just imagining this life and what you share in such a a specific niche specific it's very interesting to see the potential possibilities that there are and also to be almost like a pioneer of change, because through that network and through these yearly conversations that are happening about this, I'm sure you ask questions about what's next and what's tomorrow and how we can prepare for tomorrow better so it's just the very few people that are so engaged within it that can actually contribute to a better tomorrow, and that definitely contributes again to business growth so that's tremendously interesting. Can I-
1: can I just interrupt you for a second? Yeah. You said something very important, and I can give you proof of that. In 2019, we had a speaker that came, visualization artist. He's also a teacher at Harvard. Eric DeBrosch is the principal of Luxigon. And in during his presentation, one thing that he said, guys, sooner or we will have to, as architects, because he's also an architect, we will have to start thinking about creating new digital words and wor- worlds and I think that ninety percent of the people that were in the crowd they absolutely dis- dismissed that that input and now two almost three years, we are seeing what that guy meant you know the metaverse is now taking place it's happening and there are quite a few designers that I know who are not architects, who are not architecture visualization artists, they are going in that direction. And you might say, but you know, the reward is very little. Why would I go into digital if the money is in construction? Let me give you a piece of information. So Louis Vuitton bought in a super world, or I might be wrong with that, but they bought digital estate in New York for two million dollars. The metaverse is reality, it's happening. It's gonna come. And there are already designers working on the Louis Vuitton store, on the Gucci store, because you can envision two or three years from now when we're playing video games in real life and you're in GTA and you're playing and you're in New York, you suddenly can take a break from your game going to the digital Louis Vuitton store. And do your shopping there. This is going to happen more and more. You know, like I always say to to my clients, pay attention. There is no stupid idea. Mm. You only have a given time that you're allowed to think. Because once you get to 50, I cannot work with clients that are 50. You know, I'm making a generalization. But a lot of the conversation, preliminary conversations that I have with clients that are More than 50, 55 is, no, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. Okay, if you think that all the stuff that I'm telling you, it's not going to work, then probably the problem is not the market or the business that you're in, it's that you are a victim of your own knowledge. And so your knowledge has created for you those limitations that you're saying to yourself. And I find this, especially working with architects, that, you know, like it's a reality. But to be an architect, I think that you also have to develop in a way an ego because, you know, you need that to fight with the client, to fight with the investors and whatnot, that, that it becomes very difficult to accept the new. The problem is that the new is happening, whether we believe in it or not. And, so, you know, yeah. You got to keep an eye out, you know, the one of the most transcendent experience that I've had in my life in 2006, I had the chance to meet Richard Rogers in uh, in Paris. We went to an exhibition, we went to see him and he was there. He talked to us. And uh, bear in mind that the time, I think he was already like pushing 80s. He was, you could see he was old. And the guy kept talking about 3ds Max and Rhino. I was in university and I had no idea about the software. You know, so it's like he was there. He knew what he was talking about. And he he was like, yeah, we're doing this and that. And I was like, I'm an architecture student and I do not know what this man is talking about, you know. And he was one of the very few architects that I've heard talking that way, especially, you know, afterwards when I moved to Vienna. In Vienna, it was really like, no, no, we don't do things like that here. We do uh, things our way. And so it's normal that then you have a lot of anonymous architects and a very small number of great architects, right? Because those great architects, they embrace change, they embrace weirdness, they embrace craziness. And again, I'm not trying to pass judgment on to anybody. This is just things that I've observed in my life as a professional.
0: We have a question actually from Christian. Christian, thank you so much for listening. It's always lovely to have you. He says, I'm 65, but what's the point of the metaverse? It's cool and likely fun, but is it helpful? Does it improve people's lives?
1: I think it's too early to say, but you have to understand that the metaverse is coming in the same way the internet came when it did. And so we can can take a wild stab in the dark and say, This is what's gonna happen. But I can tell you one thing. For instance, we do not see it now, but the transition from having a phone into our pockets to have it in front of our eyes, or maybe even installed in our, you know, in lenses or something that you keep in front of your eyes, it's not that far off. I mean, there are already people, I know designers that are working for architecture offices and they develop 3D spaces in VR.
0: This episode of Architecture Talk Tank is brought to you by the MGS Global Group, a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting, as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com.
1: They spend the whole day with the headset on designing, you know, how far are we from making that step that in, instead of taking your phone to go to you grab a, glob, a you grab a pair of glasses you put them on and that's it that's your headset you have your phone you have your credit cards you know there are technologies that can track the movement of your eyes you don't even have to touch stuff you just look at it see what you want to confirm buy it you know you're going home you're you're in the tram you do not want to be disturbed you're watching a movie listening through your headset, nobody disturbs you. That stuff, it's going to come. Now, whether it's going to make our life better or worse, it doesn't really matter because eventually those who come after us, they're going to make the decision whether or not this stuff needs to stay. Do you understand what I mean? Um, And I
0: also, I understand, and I think also to add to your point, in that comparison that you made to internet, When it first came about, we were scared of it, just like when we're scared of elevators. I remember that stories of my grandfather. You know, when he went to the first elevator, he was terrified and thought he's gonna die. And now it's like just an elevator, just a lift that takes you to another floor. And I think that in respect of how we can apply ourselves to the metaverse, yes, of course, it's this kind of crazy world where we can put into live in a video game, right, environment, and it's not an experience we can touch or feel, but we certainly can experience through our emotions too and view it. So it is just as real in some ways, but I think that because we yet didn't experience it, we didn't see the application of it. We think it's like a video game, but think about the world's intentions. Think about yourself as a designer and your intentions. When you approach a design, there is people out there that don't design just for the look and feel of things. They design for sustainability principles. They design for bettering of people's lives and they will these kinds of applications in the metaverse as well maybe we will be able to experiment with some new ideas or technologies there and see how that adapts to 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 twin society that will be created there and only then be able to bring it into the real life world but i think it gives us a freedom as well as designers to experiment with things and it certainly will us you know we see more and more projects right now in a real life happening that are breaking the idea or the concepts of what you know living environment should look like or a society should look like etc and i think that in metaverse is going to be even more possible so yes it might be crazy and we might see some cool things happen i don't know someone wearing a vr glasses and maybe walking (laughs) off a cliff because they didn't notice that in the real life there was a cliff but But there will also be good things, I believe, in this because people I speak to that are already experimenting with NFT and designing for the metaverse speak about value, speak about sustainability, speak about solving people's problems. And when I see those designers working in that with these sort of intentions, I believe that there is going to be a better application than just people falling off cliffs (laughs) in the metaverse.
1: It is still a risk that, you know, um, m- most likely will will get somebody, you know, killed or something. But it's, you know, I think it's unavoidable. Like, you always have to think that, you know, technology, the way technology makes a way in our lives, it's always from the top to the bottom. For instance, i give you a very simple example. The pager. It used to be a tool used by police and doctors. Then, you know, it evolved. It became a mixture between a phone and a messaging service, you know, the phone that now everybody has. Now, for instance, you know, we lived in Israel for three years from 2017 until 2020. And there they were very much advanced with the medical industry. They were doctors that were training themselves using VR headsets. This is a beautiful thing that technology can do. It can give you a way to not create any waste, to nice the, uh, the back loop, you know, by giving you real time back on whatever it is that you're doing. I'm telling you, sooner or later, we're going to have an integration of technologies with our site. That's because, you know, if you're a simple thing, if you're walking, if you're driving your car, we use Google Maps or Waze or whatever. Doesn't it make more sense for you to have it right in front of your eyes, overlapped with the real world? If we can find a way to really integrate this in a way that it's not acting, our... For sure, there are already people that are trying to figure these things out. Now, if you are younger, you know, like I see my nephew and the sister... They're born with tablets, you know, because they see it, they're shiny, they want to touch them, they scroll. They are in that world already. That's what I meant before, that it doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not important what we think people like us, because the future belongs to those who come after us. The only thing that we can try and do ourselves is to act in the most ethical way possible to live enough sources for them to continue their future that's the thing that we can do and you know like nfts now there is a very big discussion about the environmental impact and and this and that but actually the technology is so good that you know it it trumps every other sort of discussion and we already use it we've been using it for years when you place an order on amazon you're basically creating like an NFT. When your order is created, it to basically not being replicated of for this order, not to create a mess with the supply chain, those orders are unique. and so they get processed in the same way as an NFT does. This has been enabling Amazon to reduce by a landslide just because they did not have to mess up the orders anymore. Now, the most orders that are messed up for Amazon, for instance, are orders that people messed up. And so, you know, when you order something that they say, do not drink an Amazon in the night, you know, if you're too drunk, don't make orders on Amazon or, you know, things like that. The point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, technology always has that initial wall that needs to be knocked down. And I can give you a very recent example, the electric car. The electric car, when it came to the market, people were like, ah, it makes no sense because it uses just as much fuel. It's just that, you know, it's transformed into electricity. That is true, but you do not take in consideration many things. You do not take in consideration that when you have cars that consume fuel on the street, the emissions are sparse and they cannot be collected. When you have a electric power house that creates electricity, the emissions can actually be contained and they can be transformed. The distribution of petrol, it's very expensive and it, co- and it causes a lot of like pollution. When you drive a car that has fuel, you spend on average 150 kilometers of the car per year just to go and fuel it this creates pollution. The car doesn't have that problem. You know, it's like the conversation cannot be like, yeah, I heard that this is bad and it's bad. No, let's take a deeper look. Let's have a conversation. Let's be civil about it. And let's try to get somewhere, you know, like conversations nowadays are very much about me proving the other person wrong. It's not that. It used to be that conversations were... Okay, let's have a let's have a talk and let's see if we get to a, a normal agreement, like a common agreement.
0: Exactly. Sorry. No, absolutely. As I, as I told you, I talk exactly. a lot. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of technology, completely interrupted the conversation here. But something I wanted to add to it is that I think. It's really hard sometimes when we talk about these great ideas or look at the world's problems to say what's good and what's bad, and for myself personally, I just decide whether it's for me or so I don't really
1: um, that's I another good that's, way you know, to go on about it
0: It's not like i there isn't certain topics that I would say I'm completely against of course they exist right because there are certain things that we see happen in the world that are super destructive for the ecology, for people and the planet. And absolutely, like for example, trashing plastic into the ocean. I'm a diver and I, I, it's been probably, I don't know, eight years of diving that I haven't dived in a, in a place that I wasn't reminded of how much we polluted our planet. And mm-hmm. it's always heartbreaking for me. Yes. Um, so there is definitely topics that, 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 you know, that we have strong opinions. But in terms of technology and new advancements, it's about seeing whether it's for you or not, you know, would I be a person that would put a chip in my eye? I don't know right now if that would be me. However, it would be interesting to see how it works for other people. You know, I mean, I'm fascinated by advancements and progress, and it would be quite interesting to see what would happen if we had this kind of technology. So, yes, yeah, so I think in going back to the topic of metaverse which relates to our audience and where we're at is very early days guys it's obviously been on people's tongues for maybe the last eight ten months we will be bringing more of these topics to you as a community as well i am organizing a conference for next year which i will be officially promoting on social media soon but we have a speaker That is completely gonna take their topic to NFT, and it's in fact an artist who sold their first architecture on NFT. And so it's very interesting to look into metaverse and the topics there. And also coming back to what Fabio you said about Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all that stuff, these brands are certainly looking for buildings to accommodate their, you know, their their designs, their fashion houses in the metaverse. So. There is an opportunity for collaboration there, you know, with what architects can do for for all these brands that are wanting to move into the metaverse. And there's also countries right now that are buying virtual land in metaverse, Barbados being the first one that bought its its twin, digital twin, basically there is. Uh, digital Barbados right now As so think about all the incredible <laughs> construction you can build there it's
1: crazy it really it's crazy. Is crazy
0: and also you know we did have some comments here as well about you know that some of the favorite buildings are built you know without CAD, BIM or VR true there are and we can go and experience them and looking at you know the great Orlando or Frank Lloyd Wright and admire, but think about all the buildings that have not been built because we couldn't engineer them into real life reality. Think about all the shapes and forms that architects around the world have imagined that simply could not build because we didn't have the materials to support it or the capacity. And that's interesting that you can actually now walk through spaces like that and experience it because this will no longer be a limitation in the virtual world. So I'm excited for this topic and Fabio, you also so i'm looking forward to where we evolve and yeah and thank you so much for this conversation it's been really interesting tell me if people want to connect with you or find out more about the services you provide or the conference where do they go
1: they can simply look me up if you write Fabio, find everything about myself the new website is in works i hope that i can get it sorted by the beginning of next year i really hope so Instagram is the place where I hang out the most. So, you know, come and say hi there.
0: And is I'm it Sablo
1: Valley as well? Yes. If you Google my name, you'll find everything. I mean, I'm very public about my life. You know, I'm i made my entire career as a public person. You know, I never wanted to really hide anything from anyone. And so, you know, I was very always very open about it about everything that I was putting out there. I really do believe in the concept of Sharing is caring. I have seen in my own life that the things that I was blessed with, they came when I put my heart out. And so I gave away a lot of things to people. If people are interested in working with me, they would have to contact me and we would have to have a conversation because, you know, it's not like I can work with everybody. And I do not know, I do not like to sell my services to those that I know that they cannot benefit from it. So, you know, I'm very open about it also when we have a conversation. I tell people, I don't think I can be of any help. Yesterday, I had a client from China calling me and I said, Listen, as much as I would like to work with you, I need to be clear about the fact that I have no idea about the Chinese market. Because for us archivist artists, it has always been a locked away like market. And they were really very receptive to that. They were like, Yeah, we know, you know, it's like, We export but we don't import you know it's but yeah just google my name you'll find me everywhere even my email it's it's available online if you look for it i'm hoping to go back to making youtube videos sooner we are very active on the d2 channel we're making more like interviews just like this one where we have conversations with different guests we nice a lot of visualization challenges where we give topics to people to create something, you know, to give them something to do, which is outside of their job description. Yeah, I'm very active. And one more thing, you know, if I at any point said something that uh, did not resonate with you, or it did not make sense, and you think that it's wrong, you know, you're probably right. We look at the world through our own lenses, if you did not find my talk inspirational or you thought that I said something that did not work for you, can I swear on this channel? I don't
0: know. <laughs> okay. Then
1: fuck me. Do not. You do not have to consider any of the stuff that I said. It's irrelevant. Do your thing. At the end of the day, most of the stuff that I've managed to achieve in my life, it's because I, I listen to my own guts. And you should do that, too, because we are better than we usually think we are. And so, you know, I just wanted to make this statement so that people, sa- if they go home and say, I listen to that pighead, I don't like him. Yeah, okay, that's great. Do your thing, you're probably better off listening to your own guts and your own intuition.
0: But stay open-minded, that's my opinion, you know.
1: Of course, I- say that at the very beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, we're very, we're entitled to our own opinions but being open-minded is what helps us grow so i think it's very important and i'm certainly here to grow myself and these top talks challenge and help me grow so i hope that it's the same for all the listeners guys thank you so much there's been quite a few of you that stayed through the whole broadcast whether you're connecting on linkedin or youtube or facebook i'm excited to have you thank you so much we are going to come back with news on a regular basis now. I don't have a schedule like I mentioned before. It's not on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It happens when it happens. But you will, you will see us on social media and it's posted everywhere. You can also rewatch them on sarahkolatza.com forward slash Or just go to YouTube, Sarah Colatin, all and all the videos forever created. So thank you so much, guys. And in fact, if you go to YouTube, do subscribe. I would really appreciate that because that way you get notified every time we go live and you can watch us live, interact, ask questions, etc. So thank you so much. Thank you, Fabio. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you at the next
1: one. See ya.
0: Architecture Talk Tank has its own frequency. We're not a regular podcast, but we are here for you. Always. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at me at saracolara.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolara.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sara Colada come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.